welcome to the Philadelphia Channel, spotlighting the innovators making meaningful impact throughout the region across a wide range of collaborative and creative fields, including philanthropy, education, technology, family life, social entrepreneurship, advocacy of the arts, and more. Here's your host, Robert Rim. Do you know what food insecurity is? The United States Department of Agriculture defines it as a lack of consistent access to enough food for an active, healthy life. In fact, there are 700,000 people in the Philadelphia area who don't know where the next meal will come from, or if they'll have one at all. As we explore this topic today, try to imagine how different your life would be if you didn't know when or where your next meal would come from. We'll be talking about the challenges of connecting the hungry with food, about waste reduction and food recovery with Glenn Bergman, Executive Director of Phil Abundance, the Philadelphia region's largest hunger relief organization. Glenn received his Bachelor of Science from Fairleigh Dickinson University and his Master's in Public Health from Temple University. He brings 11 years of experience with Weaver's Way Cooperative Market, where under his leadership sales increased from $4.5 million to $20 million. Lack of access to food and finding food for people are subjects that Glenn knows very well. Glenn, good to have you with us today. Nice to be here. Thank you. Tell us about your development and the origins of your interest in people and food. For a long time, I've been interested in, with, for example, Phil Abundance, when I was a chef here in Philadelphia, I was always concerned about the leftover food that we had at the end of a catering event or a party. And until Phil Abundance came along here in Philadelphia, we would have to search out how to get rid of this food. And sometimes we'd have to just throw it out. We had no option. And I always thought that this was, you know, just wrong. I mean, many people think that and see that. But Phil Abundance and many other organizations like this provided a, um, an outlet. And, you know, as a, as a young person, you're told to finish your plate and that there are starving children in India or China when I was growing up. So you always have that in the back of your head that there's somebody who needs the food and throwing it out is just not the right thing to do. In an interview, you mentioned that you learned it's not just people on public assistance who go hungry. It's working people who sometimes just don't have money to make ends meet. One of the surprises to me was that the food banks nationally, not just fill abundance, that the food that we give out, and that's about 90,000 plus or minus people per week touch our food in some way, at about 62, 60% of those people, someone in the house is working. The issue today is about the working poor, and it's not just about the person who is on the street or in a shelter or isn't working, whether they're a senior or they are just, quote, a bum, as we used to say. This is not the person who's showing up for food. That's not widely understood, is it? That's right. Because most of us, majority of the population is working. And majority of the population has enough food, but it's a silent issue. People don't go around saying, I don't have enough food. They may go around that there are equal rights and things that are obvious, that are more popular to talk about but the right for food, the right for health care, the right for a good education, these are basic tenets of a civilization. And one that is a, like the United States, where we are a developed country, 
no, no one thinks that there is this many people who are without just enough food to make it to the end of the week, to the end of the month, that they're holding back on food for themselves so that their children have food. But this is going on. We don't see the extended bellies of poverty and of starvation that was once around here in the United States in Appalachia, which is one of the reasons why there was a movement towards a food policy back in the 1960s and 70s to really try and solve this problem. And we virtually eliminated food insecurity in the 70s, but with inflation and the lack of income staying abreast of that, people are now starting to suffer from food insecurity at a very large amount. So part of fighting hunger is enlightening those out there who either can identify or they misidentify who are hungry. That's right. That's one of the things that we try and do is to educate the community through our communications department. We attempt when we can to get articles published. We work closely with uh, writers who are working on that at local papers. And uh, we do the best we can to get it out without overstimulating the population also because eventually people might just get desensitized to this whole issue. So somehow we have to keep people aware of this. And Phil Abundance's mission, as part of keeping people aware, is to drive hunger from communities today to end hunger forever. The organization does this in multiple ways. How is it best accomplished? The whole thing about ending hunger today is about getting, finding that food, and most of our food, of whether it's 34 million pounds of food that we have received, most of that food is food that we have rescued from markets from the port of Philadelphia at about 10 million pounds. The back of grocery stores is also around 9 or to 11 million pounds. And to move that food through agencies, and the agencies typically are churches, synagogues, community centers, some social service organizations, to move it there. And that's to really get food out in certain census tracts that have high food insecurity that we know about. That's the day-to-day business. The part about, and that's about ending hunger today or trying to find people, get food to people so they can have something in the way of healthy food, especially. The ending hunger forever is a much more complicated part of what we're trying to do. We have a program called Phil Abundance Community Kitchen. And while it trains about 100 people per year in both life skills and culinary skills, and then follows those people for two years to help them, that is to get people on their feet and out of poverty and uh, into work. And we've trained about 850 people over the many years that we've been doing this program. The goal is to expand that type of work. The other part of what we're looking at is how do we move product to people so that one, they don't have to be standing in line for this food, that there are pantries or food boxes or healthy food where they may be going already for other services or to partner with places that do social services to enhance both the experience and the benefit that these people are getting while they're there. For example, people who are going to a hospital who may have diabetes, they may also suffer from food insecurity. When they are checked out at the hospital or or let go back into the community, where do they get that food? Our hope is that in one day that there will be food pantries that are prescribed to people at the hospital 
and that they go home with a certain amount of healthy food and that perhaps also food can get delivered to them depending upon their age that's also healthy so that they don't end up trying to search for food or ending up not consuming healthy food products. So we believe that there's a continuity between health and food. We all talk about that. Uh, The goal is how do we get that to people in need so they don't end up eating food that they should not consume and then ending up back in the hospital or on medication. That's one way. And then and keeping them healthy so they can work. Another way is to work with libraries, recreation centers, schools, especially community colleges where there's a high level of food insecurity, poverty, and by bringing food to those locations, perhaps people will stay in school, perhaps they'll eat better and be educated so that they can work at the end of that and better their own lives. You talked about food waste and Beyond restaurants, food waste is such a big problem in America. Phil Abundance commissioned Harvard Law School's Food Law and Policy Clinic to report on food waste. What did you discover from that? Emily Broad-Lieb at Harvard, who runs that project, it's a brilliant program that brings together both government, EPA, energy department, foundations, brings together industry and nonprofits into one area and focusing on the issue of food waste. We know that about 40% of food is wasted in the United States. Some of that is at the farm level, some of that is during transportation, some of that is in warehousing. A lot of it is forward-facing towards the consumer, such as retail stores. Date labeling is a big issue. And when people throw out something because it's gotten to its expiration date on the can, but yet we know that it's still good, Standardizing some of the expiration dates or best buy dates will save a tremendous amount of food. People throw out food all the time because they think it's not, for some reason, not able to be eaten, and yet it's still a good product. For the most part, these are dates that are just arbitrary by the industry, and we're working very hard to get that changed. We also believe that there should be some legislation similar to what France has, which is that any food establishment of a certain size must have a plan for what it does with its leftover food, whether they donate it or they compost it. Approximately 20 or 22% of the landfill in the United States is made up of food waste. And much of that food is food that could have been used. And people really embrace that in France, don't they? Well, I think that not only do people embrace it, but I think young people especially embrace it and understand that this is tie in the environmental issues of food waste, not only because of the landfill part, but also the waste in whether there's chemicals used in processing that food, the energy that's used in moving that food and then just gets wasted. I believe people understand that at a very high level and just the same as the morality of people not being allowed to be food insecure, there's a morality level of throwing out food and wasting it and not getting it to people. And I think that people can make that connection immediately. We believe that there's enough food being produced to feed everyone. We understand that. The question is a logistics issue of how do you get that food from A to B to the person who needs it without the cost of it being excessive. And I think that is the puzzle that has to be figured out. And as part of getting food to people, 
In June 2018, Phil Abundance launched its own retail food brand called Abundantly Good that features healthy products with proceeds going to both rescue and produce free, high-quality food for local people experiencing hunger. How this came about involves true innovation in an over-surplus of milk that became cheese. Tell us about it. I think the listeners will see products coming out now that are products that would have been thrown out, but companies that are producing things from what we call surplus food um, or ugly food, fruit and vegetables, And these are companies that are able to process small amounts at one time because, and they don't require necessarily a specific type of product all the time at a certain spec. One of the problems with large food production is that you need a certain spec of a tomato, let's say, of a certain type of tomato for a certain consistency if you're going to be a Campbell soup. But if you are a small operator who can make a juice product and package it, and the purpose of this is to call what we call upcycling uh, a product that would have been thrown out, then you're more flexible on what products you use. For our abundantly good product, the milk that's being used that we give away is milk that would have been, for the most part, thrown out because there's excess dairy. And excess dairy happens throughout the country because certain quotas are met by the cooperative, and then the cows don't know that, and they may still be producing but the farmer who has a, the only way to get rid of their dairy is through the cooperative, then has to throw out the excess because they don't have another outlet at this point. We believe that having outlets for making cheese or yogurt uh, from excess milk and that both the federal government, the state government, and food banks could step in and have that made into another product that is then just given away as opposed to going to the market and just buying up commodity product to maintain the cost. So there's two different things. One is the USDA goes out and buys up commodity wheat, pork product, et cetera, maybe cranberries, and then has that packaged and distributed through food banks or through school lunch programs. We believe that there's also a way to take excess in different pockets on a smaller level and help smaller farmers with another stream of production from their potentially wasted product. And that over-surplus of milk that became cheese also led to a collaboration with De Bruno Brothers as well, which is so good to see. We're working with both De Bruno's, which has been a real leader in this for us, and they've been out front with us since the beginning. The River Ward market, common market here in Philadelphia as a distributor, Weaver's Way Co-op also sells it our cheeses and the cheeses that are sold are mainly made from regular milk and it's usually about a six-month age cheese for every pound sold a dollar goes back to the farmer who's producing this cheese and he takes the excess milk that he gets and turns that using the the money that we get from the sale of the cheese to get free cheese that we can give out and now a word from arch street press Created by a diverse group of chefs, nutritionists, and food activists, Mindful Eating for the Beloved Community offers strategies to rebuild the connections between diet, culture, faith, the environment, and community well-being, with a focus on the deep connection between mindful eating, social justice, and sustainability. 
Through powerful storytelling and thoughtful analysis, the essays in Mindful Eating for the Beloved Community explore the historical and cultural shifts that have affected the way we eat. These essays provide the starting points for conversations to help us reframe our relationship with food to allow for physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. With one seed empowered, many trees take root. We now return to Glenn and Robert. A few stats about giving out food. Phil Abundance and its member agencies distributed 24 million pounds of food last year, providing some 33,000 children a week with fresh, healthy food. And over 40,000 individual donors helped to feed 90,000 neighbors a week. Is Phil Abundance's model being applied to other parts of the United States? We're not unusual. I think that City Harvest in New York is another good example of a place that started, a food bank that started with the mission of taking, of saving food, capturing that food, restoring that food, and getting it consumed by people in need. Many of the food banks started with dry goods, with federal money or federal food, and donated food drives, canned goods, things like that. For the most part, Phil Abundant City Harvest uh, were leaders back in the 1980s, started at the same time around rescuing food. This was being done primarily by churches going to places and trying to get food, but it wasn't until these organizations formed that there was a real emphasis on rescuing food. That has spread throughout the United States to 200 food banks that we know of, working with Feeding America out of Chicago to have a planned system of picking up food from grocery stores, from the ports, from uh, large distributors, things like that. And about what's happening now in America, the Farm Bill and its impact on your work, how does the bill affect people on SNAP, which is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program? What we used to call food stamps, which started back in the 1960s, 70s, this was the first move to eliminate hunger in the United States when there was really starvation in some pockets of the United States. The food stamp program, or SNAP today, really virtually eliminated food insecurity in the United States back in the 70s. What has happened is that the appropriation and the amount of money given to families and to individuals has decreased as a percentage of the um, cost of food over the years. It has not kept up with inflation. So what's going on right now, and it's buried in the Farm Bill, which comes up every five years for reauthorization. The Farm Bill both helps farmers, but it's also there the, a good amount of the farm bill is appropriated for uh, people in need. And $70 billion is appropriated for SNAP benefits for individuals. It is by far one of the most successful, if not the most successful program for getting food to people. There's very little fraud. It's very efficient. You get the food right to the people who then can go shopping and use the logistics system that's excellent in the United States going to a grocery store and just using it. We believe that that appropriation should be increased dramatically. Perhaps another 30 or $40 billion added on would eliminate food insecurity in the United States. Those are the estimates that we hear about. I believe it's true. I believe it's a good program because it actually is an economic stimulant to a community rather than just putting donated food into a poor community. If you put food stamps and increase that into a community, people will open up a store. There's about a 1.7 return on food stamps use 
uh, as an economic driver. So we believe that food stamps, the SNAP program in the Farm Bill, which is under negotiation right now, there is no, no discussion about increasing the appropriation from it. What we hear and see is that the House bill wants to make it more difficult for people who are unemployed to receive it unless they are looking for work, working 20 hours a week or volunteering. But we believe that it's going to really hurt a lot of people who are unable to work right now. And on the positive side, Phil Abundance provides two nutritious meals for someone who's hungry with just a $1 donation. How are you able to do this? It's the estimate of what it is for the cost of moving the food. We estimate that we can provide two meals for every dollar. And that's about a pound, let's say, of food per person for each meal. And that that's what the cost is. And, but it's still a very small amount compared to the food insecurity in the United States or in this area. We only touch 90-something percent, 92% of the people who are in need of food receive that through some type of federal program, whether it's the school lunch program, whether it's the SNAP program, senior box program. It's really what we do is a very small part filling in as a Band-Aid in different areas. I'm not saying it's not important to get healthy food to people, which is what we really focus on, but the federal programs are the most important. And in addition to the federal programs, Volunteers are a vital part of Phil Abundance's success. In fact, last year, some 15,000 people helped you in your mission. Tell us about this kind of widespread collaboration. The volunteer labor is equivalent to about $1.5 million in labor. And, you know, that's just uh, phenomenal. That, there's, a, there's definitely a desire upon the community to be engaged, whether it's by donating money so we can buy food, donating money so we can operate these trucks and warehouse, donating people's time, both packing food, but also the professionals who donate their time to assist us, whether it's lawyers or accountants or IT specialists who help us with our work. It's really quite humbling to see all the people come in, many of them from companies. There are a lot more companies engaged in volunteer time that they provide to their staff, but also the individuals who come in on a weekly basis, or even some who come in three, four days a week. It's quite amazing. The business community's involvement is significant, isn't it? That's right. The business, I would say that uh, every week we probably have about 12 to 20 companies of different sizes and types, from small operations to large conglomerates with their staff here as a group uh, working together. We also have church groups, we have high school groups, civic organizations also that come in together. But uh, it is great to see a company come in with their staff and have sort of a bonding experience doing something good and also hanging out together. Uh, and many of these people are coming from different departments and normally don't see each other. So it is quite a good group dynamic experience. And looking forward, Glenn, are you optimistic? Do you think that American can get to a point where we can decrease food waste and really get better at feeding our people? Well, I think the food waste issue will not necessarily be totally solved, but I do believe that there is a both an economic market-driven need to deal with the food waste. Whether that will work to help people in poverty, I do not know. I believe that 
better paying jobs, a good health care system of insurance that's universal is really vital to helping people. And I think funding education to a high level in this country is necessary to really be poverty. I do not see necessarily that that's happening, but um, it's good to see that the unemployment rate is low. Now we have to do something to the wage level. It's really about wages against cost of living. Wages against cost of living, such a crucial metric for people to be aware of, both inside and outside of government. And on that note, listeners can find out more about Phil Abundance, read client stories, and become involved by visiting philabundance.org. Glenn, good to talk with you and all the best with your crucial work. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Access, stream, and download the Philadelphia Channel bi-weekly, part of the International Innovate podcast series on PRX, the public radio exchange, iTunes, and online at innovatepodcast.org. On behalf of the Philadelphia Channel team and our collaborators, good to have you join us.